0: and we're back stripe show podcast on a monday hope everyone had a terrific easter weekend the course for some like me the easter weekend is continuing into monday as my kids are out of school and uh dad's kind of snuck out to the office here because he had to do some quote work today so mom's got him here i am We don't take days off here on the podcast on a Monday. And, you know, it's been a while since uh, I've caught up with this last guest, uh, someone that I used to work with back in the Golf Channel days, a little show that they called On the Range. And, of course, this concept of looking at tour players' swings and breaking them down now, apparently everybody can do that. And they just have it as a part of every show now on Golf Channel. But back in the day, it was started in... My co-host was a uh, gentleman by the name of Billy Harmon. And I haven't, you know, I've kind of missed being made fun of on national television. So I thought I'd bring you in to make fun of me here on my own show. Billy, how you doing, man?
1: Well, let's face it. That was good TV.
2: <laughs>
1: it was. <laughs> it was good. TV, you know, the the golf channel needed to spruce things up a little bit. I think I spruced myself right off of there, right off the air with that. <laughs>
0: I I'm yeah. sure
1: thereafter I never got invited back. So I always blame
0: you for it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you and I both. Uh, well, actually, I went to Morning Drive and did some things there. But you know, like yeah. you know, this, the whole concept of of sitting there and looking at players warming up and looking at their swing and what they're working on and who they work with and all these idiosyncrasies, you know that there was a full show. We would do it. would do it every Wednesday, it was, and it. it, it
1: very good show to be honest with you and, and they never really got to replace it with anything any better quite
0: yeah. frankly yeah
1: but that, that's for another
2: day
0: well I, I i really enjoyed those times our conversations we would go to breakfast and and then come back and 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 shoot it and here we are now oh i don't know six seven years later and um i appreciate you coming on Thank the you. show as you're uh You know, your your brother and your nephew turned me down, so I was forced to uh, to. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I
1: I know where I stand. I get it. I isolate, as you know. I'm not out there on tour, and I'm not uh I'm not in the limelight anymore, and I'm uh, very happy because of it. Actually, yeah.
0: Well, you and I I both. I I never wanted that life either. Like, why in the hell would you want to travel around with these guys? No,
1: I I I have no desire to Uh, heroes if not.
0: Well, let's get into it. Um, Sure. I mean, what a topic to start the show. Jordan Spieth wins uh, for the 13th time on the PGA Tour. uh, Dramatic fashion. No one has putted worse, statistically, ever on the PGA Tour and won the event. He lost 2.5 putting. His ball striking was, was really good. Tita Green, he was number one, as he had to be. But his putter was a mess, and he still win. So I'll start with this. I've been saying this a long time on this show. I've said, look, Jordan Spieth, he's a generational talent. To me, he's a genius at playing the game. Even when he was struggling, Billy, even when he was struggling and couldn't find it off the tee, he was still getting the ball around and somehow shooting par. Like where he was hitting it, he's still getting the most out of his round. He's a genius player. You give him enough, you give him enough time with this unusual rehearsal swing. He'll figure it out. And he did. And he wins again. Jordan space, a genius he's, he's on his way back. He's not the same version of himself, but he's just chipping away slowly working himself back. And I don't think it'll be the last time that we see him win. What do you think?
1: I agree with everything you said. Uh, He knows how to score. And that's basically what the game is. And evidently, uh, he felt probably that he needed to make some changes in his swing for the things that you mentioned. He couldn't find the ball. Uh, He's taken the time to do it. He's taken the the harpoons from the pundits with his uh, pre-shot rehearsal swing there. Uh, But as time has gone on, he keeps hitting more and more good shots. And he hit a lot of shots uh, last week where the ball started online. My dad used to say good players start the ball where they want to. And if you can't do that, it's hard to play uh, elite golf. And uh, when they had the shot tracker going on, you know, he had a lot of shots on the very tight course that were starting right where they should. And another thing I'll, I'll share with you, in 2015, uh, when Jay Haas was the captain of the President's Cup team in South Korea, he cr- he created a position for me to be a minion and so I was in every team room, uh, you know, every meal, everything. And I got to observe all the players. I didn't really know many of them, and I stayed in the background. And I came away with, out of the 12 players, I thought two people truly loved the game. I mean, really loved it, like uh, innocence. And one was Phil and the other one was Jordan Speed. And so I think the game is better off when Jordan's playing well. Uh, I know very few people that Uh, don't like him he Mm. handles himself very well uh you know he's already won 13 times that's a lot of tournaments boy Mm -hmm. young man that's a lot of tournaments no one ever talks about you know he got married and he's got a family now and stuff and all those things chip away at your time and uh it takes a lot of people a little time to adjust all those things so i really believe when he's in the mix the game is much more exciting to watch so i'm a big jordan speed fan a uh, great team with michael greller as caddy uh, so i think the game is in good hands when when jordan's in the hunt every
0: weekend uh, there's no question about it michael greller though deserves some credit in. absolutely his, his brain has to be numb doesn't it at this point i mean <laughs> <laughs>
1: i mean like well uh- you know, when I caddied for Jay Haas, I probably caddied for Jay in uh, maybe 300 tournaments, maybe 350, I don't know. And Jay was very easy to caddy for. He was a minimalistic guy. And I even figured out that I had to answer at least 1,000 questions a week uh, Wow. on the tour. Michael has to answer about 3,000 <laughs> questions a week. And uh, But I'll tell you a story about him that nobody knows uh, Okay. Jay Haas got back from the Presidents Cup from South Korea. They had their their bags and everything shipped back. They didn't come back on the plane. And he was undoing the box and he was opening up some stuff in his bag and Michael Greller had put a, a little note in his bag thanking him for the week. And how about that gesture? Mm. You know, so that's a little thing that somebody wouldn't know and it's kind of the reason I mentioned his name is uh he didn't do that for you know, look good. He did that because he is good because he is mm. a good person. So I, I'm, I'm very, I don't really know Michael. I might know him to say hi. He might know me, but probably not. Uh, but I observe him and I like the way he handles himself. I'm a big fan of his. I
0: mean, let's face it. It's, it's not easy to caddy for Jordan Spieth. It, it's not easy. I mean, he is, no. you can see he is demanding excellence at, at all times. And I thought it was pretty cool in the post game, that he almost kind of in a a roundabout way was apologizing to Michael for what he did on Saturday with carelessly hitting that one foot putt and missing, you know, and he was, he made the comment that, you know, look, Michael's out here busting his tail and I go up there and just carelessly hit that. And it almost costs us the tournament. And so I thought that was, I thought that was pretty neat. Clearly they have a great relationship. They respect each other. um, But yeah, I mean, Jordan Spieth, I, I, there's not another player in this game, that when you watch a round of golf, and you're not surprised by anything that happens. I mean, he is a player that can have 40 feet sidewinder straight down the hill, and you, in some ways, you almost feel like or expect he's going to make it.
1: <laughs> well, I always know he's going to get it up and in. Most uncanny picture of a golf ball. And he doesn't do it the way everybody else is teaching. He, he uses the leading edge. <laughs> you know he sticks it in the ground and uh but back to michael a little bit what would make it easy to caddy for jordan is because he cares so much yeah so when you work for a player that you know cares so much i i probably worked 10 or 12 tournaments for curtis strange and uh you know curtis was so into it and he could run hot get upset and stuff but You never questioned his dedication and what he was trying to do. And I think that rubs off on the caddy. Mm -hmm. So I think it goes both ways. I think, although it could be at times, appear to be difficult for Michael, it's also pretty easy knowing that you get got a guy that's all in, you know. So uh, I'd rather have the guy all in and work a little bit harder than the guy who's really not trying and doesn't really care.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, when I was, his, his putting from long distance and then he gets in close and it's, oh my gosh, you got to close your eyes. Cause you, you're not surprised if he misses it from, from two feet, oh, but
1: odd because he had the best 18 months of putting I've ever <laughs> seen in my life when yeah. he wrote the one in the world. So it's kind of odd that he's gone through this streak because I never saw a guy putt like him for, you know, yeah. a year and a
2: half, right. I've
1: seen it be two weeks, but not a year and a half. So, uh, but you went back to it. He's a golfing genius in the sense of he knows how to score. Yep. And the game is what you shoot. You know, my father used to say a golfer has to impress the back of the ball in the scorecard. You know.
0: I can he remember when how he was struggling. When he was struggling with his swing and just hitting it all over the place, there were times over that the I, I would go in and he shot one under. And I'm thinking to myself, how in the hell did he just shoot one under? From where I he?
1: Do that also. Yeah. And it... Phil. Those three.
0: Yep, that's true. That's true. And I'll tell you, Spieth and Lowry put on an exhibition of short game. I mean, those guys can get it up and down from anywhere. No one hits the ball with more conviction around the green than Jordan Spieth. I mean, there is a crispness, There is a tight acceleration. There is this. I'm going to make it. And it doesn't matter the situation or the lie. Seven or playoff in the bunker, tough shot. I mean, he just steps up there, and he I, you can't convince me he wasn't trying to make it like he, he in his head, he thought he pushed it slightly right. I mean, it's just
1: <laughs> well, great players they're on, you know, they they kind of embody that expression, uh, small target, small miss, you know. And when he was playing bad, he had a big target, and a big miss, so mm-hmm. yeah, constant balance, you know. Right now, he played good, and he hit it good. You know, what's going to happen in the next tournament? We don't know. The game is very, very fluid. You know, as some of the players we're watching struggling, the Ricky Fowers, the world, and people like that who we thought were just going to play good every day the rest of their lives. And uh, I think good players make good golf look easy when they're on. And the fact of the matter is, it's not easy. It's mm-hmm. Very, very hard to uh, play elite golf for any length of time.
0: Yeah. To your point, difference a week makes. Spieth misses the cut at the Masters. Uh, yeah. And then and putt's awful here. And then he comes here, putt's awful and wins. It just, it's a, it's a very interesting game that way, but he is a genius. Let's, let's move on because there's another guy that was in the field that I want to ask you about Harold Marner the third, he had a one shot lead heading into Sunday. It, it's no, although he's won a couple of times overseas, he won the Saudi Arabia event. We can say that here on this podcast where maybe you can't on golf channel, but um, in an interview, but you can, he won that event over there. There's a few guys over there that played in it, but it's it's no it's not a secret, Billy, that he's struggling when the heat is on. It's it's like you know there's a switch, right? It's time to win. And which way does a player go? Do they take the do they they press down and try to win like Jordan does, or do they go in defense mode and kind of you know get stuck in neutral or back up? And I think for Harold, at least this week you know, he was a little bit more neutral. He didn't back up. He he did kind of hang around and fight a little bit, which I do think was a positive, perhaps when you compare it to some of the things that have happened in the past. Now, Harold's been working with your brother, Butch. Any insight there on kind of what's happening here with Harold Varner III? Because this is a very good iron player. He's got a nice short game. He can putt. He clearly has the pieces to get into contention, but I'm curious maybe what's happening behind the scenes to get over the hump.
1: Uh, Butch felt that he early in the round was real quick. Um, you know, everything you said, I, I'm always interested about um, winning. And, you know, sometimes it takes certain players longer to figure it out. Um, I think actually it's abnormal to go out there on Sunday and just
2: freewheel it,
1: you know? So I think the, the Harold Varners of the world, what they do is normal. They, they, subconsciously protect a little bit and go into neutral. And it's really the truly great players that seem to be able to put their foot on the accelerator when they're they're in the hunt. So I've always felt people that are good players and maybe don't win a lot are are somewhat normal. And the ones that can really perform under the gun like that are abnormal. So uh, Butch said he gets a little quick, they, they've worked really mostly on his takeaway. I think he tends to get it too far inside. Um, you know, his rehearsal waggle is more straighter off the ball and things like that. But he did hang in there pretty good. I thought mm-hmm. And um, the fields kind of came back to him too, though. And that helped, you know, Van Roy and uh, he imploded. If he hadn't made a bunch of putts, the back nine, he have shot about 42. You know, uh, Shane, had an impossible chip shot there on 14 and didn't hit that bad a shot. And it goes in the water. Uh, so the the tournament kind of came back to Jordan, I thought. And the, and and some guys had a chance there to tie that really weren't looking like they were going to be in the tournament. So um, a lot of guys had trouble finishing yesterday. Shane Lowry did. Harold, Harold had four putts out of coming in, so he just didn't make any of them. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, Cantley is kind of a quiet assassin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was surprised to see both of them kind of miss club there on 18. Yeah, me too. But it's always easy from the, uh, from my couch, you know, with the wind blowing and stuff, I've been on that fairway with a chance to win as a caddy with Jay. So I do know it's not the easiest club to pull because of the wind. And the, the green is just sitting out there kind of exposed. So.
0: And it's small, uh, real small.
1: It's that, uh, um, you know, with all the green behind the hole that the, the miss wouldn't be there.
0: Yeah. I mean, those are, those are guys trying to make birdie, trying to get close. Right. And, I, I get that. Yeah. Yeah. And, all that. and not trying to just throw it past. I, I, I was really surprised by Cantley. I mean, Jordan was 25 yards behind him. Um, yeah. so yeah, I was really surprised after Jordan hit it in that Cantley did that. I, I thought he would air long, um, and it cost him, you know, it, it, yeah, it certainly did. Yep. It 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 yep. cost them. Yeah, it's interesting.
1: Would have had a bunker shot had it not been buried.
0: You know, it, it, yeah. we all know that all these guys are the best at what they do. They are the world's best players, right? It's the point zero 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 one percent. Yeah, And what's fascinating to me is two things. One is is when I go to an event, I was up at Hilton Head Monday, Tuesday, and I watched guys hit balls, Billy, for probably four hours. And when you stand there long enough and you listen to the sound and you watch the moves, like you, you quickly realize who's the best of the best. Like that's a different sound coming off the face. Um, Mm -hmm. And you realize that there's even another level and then you watch. And then every once in a while in a tournament, you see the big gap between the great player that's out there and how they separate themselves from this pool of the best players. And Jordan Spieth in the hunt, trying to win the golf tournament you know he is the pedal is down you can see it he's struggling with his putter but there is a way that he is going about his craft that's just different than when you watch a Harold Varner third, which feels like okay I don't want to make a mistake right there's you know I'm going to kind of hit it over here and then make a putt there's just a there's it's hard to explain but it's there's a yeah, difference
1: it doesn't give you an out you know that's a very precise golf course. So you don't get on many tee shots and say, oh, I can just blow it over here and I'll yeah. have a shot. No, um, I, I think Butch is brilliant. I said this to Chris Como one time, and I didn't, I've didn't. i never talked to Butch about it. I would say Butch's brilliance with the elite players, 25% swing mechanics, 50% how to play golf. Mm-hmm. And 25% he has the ability to make his students believe that what he's saying is right. And, and for them to believe that they're better than everybody. And, and so Harold, I think is uh, probably there on the last quarter of uh, convincing himself that he's good enough to, to do this. And, uh, uh, but uh, what you said, you know, there's a lot of good people on the range but they're not golfing geniuses, let's say, like Jordan Smith. Yep. They don't score. And those are the immeasurable things. Right. I, I, I've i enjoyed the this decade, and it's going to be a lifelong of measuring everything. I think it's been very interesting, very informative, to help us teach and all that stuff. But the, the immeasurables are the things that I'm more intrigued with. What's inside somebody? Why does partner go into neutral? Because he walks kind of with a little cockiness, a little swag, you know. And these aren't criticisms, once again, I think it's abnormal. Uh you know, if I thought if Scotty Scheffler had an average short game the week of the Masters, he'd have lost by 10.
2: Yeah.
1: I mean that too. Mm-hmm. I'm not just saying I think he would have lost the tournament by 10 shots. He hit pitches around the greens, and 75% of them he was bumping it into a hill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, into grain that's uh, mowed against you. So uh, we don't, and and to do that, you have to have great nerves. So you can't do that if you're nervous, Nelly. So people with great short games, to me, have great nerves, Mm -hmm. Uh, because you can't hit those shots. He hit. He should have been three or four over after four holes on Sunday at the Masters. He was one under. Could have easily been three or four over, and he was one under par. You know, so the short game, you know, as a teacher. If you want to improve your handicap by twenty five percent or better, the easiest way to do it is a hundred yards on it. Easiest way, the slam dunk if you can do that.
0: But mm-hmm. it's more
1: hitting long drives, I guess.
0: All right, let me ask you this: another guy that used to work with with Butch, who I think you know, interesting ratio that you were talking about there: twenty five percent mechanics, twenty five percent belief, and pushing forward, and then fifty percent on the golf course and and there there may not have been a better example of that of Ricky Fowler than when he was with him. And it felt like, you know, Ricky won five times. He won the players. He, he, he was on the first page of the leaderboard, it felt like, of most major championships. Now, he didn't win, but he was there. Um, and now Ricky is, you know, a long ways away from those times. He finished plus eight this week. He's missed the Masters now back-to-back years. Gosh, I mean, you you look at Ricky Fowler, this is a completely different version of Ricky than when he was working in that stable with Butch.
1: Well, I think the the thing that I don't understand is, you know, it's been pretty much recorded that throughout Jack Nicholas's career, he would see Jack grout four or five times a year. He was never at a tournament. And they worked on fundamentals. And uh, Butch and Ricky, you know, worked on the, the swing, whatever swing changes they, they worked on. And uh, they became ingrained. And he became a, a day, week in and week out, bonafide threat to every tournament he played in. And the interesting thing, and you probably know this because you're a, a teacher and a swing geek and stuff like all of us. Butch's teachings are usually simple. And, uh, so I wondered when Butch retired, see, Butch retired from traveling to tournaments. Mm -hmm. I'll never give you a lesson again. You'll just have to come see me. And so I I couldn't imagine a guy in the middle of his career. And I said, I don't know John Tillery, but I know that he's worked with a lot of good players. Okay. So this isn't in any way, shape or form a, a shot at him. But when you start crisscrossing the wires of a very complex field system that these great golfers have and you start putting new programs into that computer, there's no law saying they're going to work, whether they're right or wrong, by the way, whether what he's being taught is correct or not correct. If the player can't do it under pressure, then it's no good. Uh, Jay Haas said to me one time, I don't work on anything that I won't use on the back nine on Sunday. And so uh, my feeling is why did Ricky need another coach? Why couldn't he have stuck with what Butch taught him, send him a tape here, there, or fly out to Las Vegas three or four times a year and and just get tune-ups because the major overhaul had already been done. So now he's into another major overhaul. And Travis, I don't know if you feel this way, but, I think fast swingers, people with fast tempo, are harder to change
0: because hmm.
1: they don't have as much time to change. Yeah. And so, uh, Bush said the hardest guy he's ever taught is actually his favorite student, uh, because hmm. his swing was so fast. <laughs> he didn't have time to change it. You know, it was a humor with. And so, my thing with Ricky is not so much um, against Ricky, is why would a, a player that level, who's had great success with one teacher who already knows the blueprint. They already have the template for it. And just because the teacher doesn't want to go out to every tournament, why do you have to have a babysitter with you? And when you could just go see him once every two months or something and stay the course. I have a theory on this these great players. I have a, a young junior player who's very good. She'll remain nameless. She's really good. And I told her the other day that she, she should have three mentors moving forwards. First one should be self-knowledge. Second one should be experience. And the third one should be whoever your set of eyes are. Mm-hmm. But the first two are you, not somebody else. You mm-hmm. can't keep contracting your feelings and your feels out to somebody else. It's too dangerous, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. now in fairness a lot of these kids playing nowadays they've had a teacher since they were three years old so they're used to it you know yeah but i think they can become too independent um sometimes you got to spit in your glove and figure out a way to make a three or a four you know yeah and uh i think you can lose that with all the information frank beard great player of the past was the leading money winner in 1969 uh very very deep thinker on the game of golf uh, someone i've learned a lot from because he could care less about mechanics and i asked him about the science one time and he said it takes away he's a spiritual man his words it takes away two of god's greatest gifts to elite athletes and that's your eyes and your intuition and anything that's going to get in the way of that he thinks is damaging Mm. and so There has to be a blend, obviously, Uh, but the ones that can see it and feel it, uh, he said he never met a great player that didn't trust his intuition. Well, does Ricky even have any intuition left? See, because his swing now isn't even close to his swing. It's somebody else's swing. Yeah. So he probably doesn't even have intuition. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. He doesn't have a natural thing to, to fall back on. Because the wires have been crossed. My father told all of us to be very careful when you teach an elite player. And I, I've never heard any other teacher say this. Always figure out what they do right first, not what they do wrong. Because they wouldn't be elite if their swing was that bad. <laughs>
2: Just, yeah. And who
1: cares what it's like? He said there's pretty swings that don't work. You know, he, the, the guy that he loved watching the most other than Hogan was Lee Trevino. No one's ever said copy Lee Trevino's swing although we do have a a generation now of bowed left wrist at the top and stuff like that, which is another way my father played. And so, and it's a great lesson for you and I, when we're working with an elite player, they wouldn't be elite if their swing was bad. That might not look perfect on, you know, when the symmetry police shows up on the camera, but they, they know how to, they know how to get it done. You know, one of the best ball strikers I ever saw was Lenny Watkins. No one ever said swing like him. How about, Bernhard Langer. No one says practice. You know, look at his swing, right? Yeah. But it's, it's forever. But you know, you go on YouTube and you'll see Robert Rock and Ann Van Dam swing ad nauseum, right? <laughs> and they are beautiful swings, mm-hmm. but they they're not Bernhard Langer. So why aren't we looking at Langer's swing? It's lasted for 50 years, you know. So I, I I'm not I'm I'm swing theoried out to be honest with you. Yeah. I'm it in the person. I'm more interested in the player. What's inside them? You know, can they answer the question when they look in the mirror? Why can't I perform on Sundays away? I perform Thursday, Friday, Saturday, because the answer might be there. It might not be in track management.
0: Yeah, I think that's I think that's well said, especially with the better player. I think it's
1: yeah, yeah, with the better one.
0: You can get swing theoried out and you can get scienced out, right? You know. We got to put someone on on 3D now to figure out what to do always.
1: (laughs) I remember catching for Lanny Watkins in South Africa in the Sun City event. And the fourth hole there was a, uh, excuse me, the third hole there was a tight hole. And uh, we got in the practice round. He said, man, I love this hole. All you got to do is make a good swing. I said, ooh, that was pretty good. I said, well, that's a good way of thinking about it." He goes, "If you think about it, there's, hell, there's a lot of room out there for a golf ball." That's a mindset, you see. Yeah. He didn't say that I've got to engage my obliques at a certain time, and I got to be perfect at P5.5, and you know, I got to make sure I pressure the ground at the right time. He said, "You just got to make a good swing." So he could feel it. See, he was the Frank Beard, the the eyesight and intuition player yeah you know and so the science can sometimes interfere with that with the real elite players and as you know the pursuit of perfection can end up in disaster times in golf because we don't even know what a perfect swing is do we who's got it if there is one you know we know what the prettiest looking swings are but you know nobody ever said copy hail Irwin's swing yeah. it lasted 50 years so I, I don't know. I, I'm more interested in the person, I think, than I am the, the mechanics. Jay Haas said to me, because I know you said you saw him at Hilton Ed, last week. He was mm-hmm. watching Bill. He texted me from the range. He said, I know Tommy Fleet was not having a good year, but his good shot sure looks good. <laughs> <laughs> so that's coming from a guy 68 years old, you know, yeah. who did play with Sneed and everybody thereafter, you know. I know he's not playing well, but his good shot sure looks good. What he's-
0: <clears throat> well it's it's you know, in today's game, I think also like I look at Ricky and and he's distracted. Um he's he's got other things now I think that are important to him. Now, you know, clearly he's good. he's got a wife and he's got a kid and he's good for him. Yeah, and but also, you know, Ricky is in a lot of commercials. When I was standing on the range out there watching him hit this week, he's got his uh, social media team out there with him. You know, so it's, look, I think, you know, Ricky, right now, to me, when you go down that path of making those changes, I put that on the player. You know, I I put that on the player. Without without question,
1: it's on the player. It's not on John. John's had success with a lot of people. Sure. Well, there's never been a teacher that's had success with every student. There's never been that. No, and so uh, as good a teacher as Butch is, he'll tell you there's a couple people he was very frustrated that he didn't think he helped as much as he could have. You know, mm-hmm. and I think every teacher, if they're honest, will say, "Boy, I didn't help that guy or that uh, young lady." You know. Yep. And, but we tend to see all the successes, but each teacher also has people that they haven't been able to get through to. And the and the mark of a good teacher is he'll try to figure out. What did I do wrong? Why? Why couldn't I get through with that that student? And so, uh, I believe at some level it becomes always on the player because he's the one who has to make the the final decision. Yeah. And but I think nowadays, I alluded to it earlier in the show that you know most of these players have had a coach since they were five years old, so they're used to contracting out their feelings and emotions and swings to somebody else. Mm-hmm. And it's helped them very much probably get to a certain level, but is it going to help them get to the next level, I think is the real question.
0: Let me ask you about this player that I know you know a lot about as well, and that Harmon stable of players, whether it's your nephew, Claude, who seems to be with him a lot out there now, and of course Butch has worked with him, and that's Dustin Johnson. He missed the cut this week. Where's Dustin at? Is he... Is Dustin focused? Do we have his attention right now? He's He started the year at third in the official World Golf Ranking. Now he's ninth. Where are we at?
1: Well, to play golf at that level, or year after year after year, <clears throat> is very difficult. Then you take young people, and they make an inordinate amount of money and they have families, then maybe it's easy to subconsciously maybe not want to go out and practice that day. Um, So I think those people, once again, I think they're normal. I think the ones that have a pocket full of cash and they have all that stuff going for them, they're different cats. They're, They're motivated by something different. They were never motivated by money and things. They were motivated by winning. Uh, Dustin Johnson uh, has a very, very, very high golf IQ. Uh, I walked nine holes with them in a practice run at wing foot in 2020 and his prep preparation in that nine holes was as much as anybody I've ever seen. So maybe he kind of goes in and out of interest level, which I wouldn't hold against them because they have a reason, uh, you know, they, they have a right to live their life and be happy. So I don't get too flustered by that, to be honest with really? you. Know, and Dustin's got to be approaching his late 30s, 40. Mm-hmm. You know, He's been at it for a long time. It's hard to keep that edge. You know, It's hard to show up every tournament and have that edge. And he's a pretty laid-back guy. And I think when it's time to have fun, he appears to know how to have fun, from what I hear. Uh-huh. And uh, when it's time to work, he knows how to work. And maybe he just hasn't been motivated enough here recently. I don't know. I somehow shooting one over part Harbor town doesn't seem to me to be terrible golf <laughs> <No>. <laughs> having no. been there that, you know, so I it wasn't like he shot one fifty three or something. You know, I, I would say Ricky shooting eight over would be more uh, of a concern than Dustin shooting one over. That would be my, I, for some reason, I don't worry about Dustin. I think he's one of those guys that he's got great nerves mm-hmm. when he's on you know, it wouldn't surprise me to see him win three or four tournaments the rest of the year because he is so gifted and so talented uh, that when he's on, I think he knows how to handle it. So I'd have to see him play poorly for a lot longer than we've seen him for me to express really any concern about him, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah, I think the must-watch TV, I've always said, you know, I mean, obviously Tiger is the needle. Um but you come off of that. Rory and DJ, when I when I feel like they're engaged and focused and playing, like we've seen them play. Those two are yeah. must-watch TV. Now Speith back in the midst with his style of play. It's must-watch TV. You just don't know what the hell's gonna happen. I, I mean I think it's the it, one
1: that's more intriguing to me than anyone is Justin Thomas. Really? And I'll tell you why. and I don't know him. I've never met him. Uh Never said a word to him. He couldn't pick me out of a lineup for a million dollars. Um, when Jordan Spieth was a rookie, and he was in the last group at the Masters when Bubba won, and he was in the last group at the Players, I think Martin keimer might have won that tournament. Yeah. I was doing Q&A with Bob Golby, uh, God rest his soul. He just mm-hmm. passed away. And a guy asked him who he thought, you know, had the stuff to be the next great player. And Bob said, you know, I'm not out there. I'm not playing with him. But he said, I like this Jordan Spieth kid. He's got something about him. And the guy said, yeah, well, he choked the last round of the Masters and the players. And Bob said, he didn't choke. Choking is being afraid to win. Uh, He didn't know how to uh, deal with his emotions because he wanted it so bad. So his, his problems are more high end. They're not fearful. He just wanted it so bad that he'd get flustered, you know, at an early bogey or something. But he said, I don't think he's choking. I think he's had a, you know, a quench to win tournaments. And I think that's what I see now in Justin Thomas. I think he knows he's supposed to go to the next level. I think he knows he has the ability to be dominant. Uh, and it looks to me like he almost wants it too bad. And he's not letting the game come to him, if that's a, something that could be understood. And I and I often think back about what Bob said about George speech. Because Bob said, hey, listen, I've choked a lot. You know, I know what choking is. What he did the, the last round of the Masters and the players was not choking. It was not able to handle his desire to win. You know, and then when he learns how to do that, he's going to be a heck of a player. And I think Justin is trying to figure out how do I become this player that everyone thinks I am because he works Mm -hmm. at it. You know, he's a gutty player, Um, but maybe he doesn't know when to back off, you know, when to make a par. I don't know the. I don't know the answer to it because I don't know. Like I said, I've never even met him. I just watch. So to me, he's kind of the intrigue. Uh, Rory, you can see. uh, I love Rory. I just think everything about him. I love his interviews. I love everything about him. Uh, I love that he's learned to live his life without everybody's expectations. I love that. But, you know, if you look at it golf-wise, he's naturally not a great putter anymore. And for some reason, he doesn't seem to have the wedge game figured out, you know, and everything about him, though, looks like a world-beater still. But if you don't have that electric short game, right, you know, what happens? so mm-hmm. we can always punch holes in great players because the game is just too hard but uh, I'd love to see Rory when to get back and win majors uh, I'm I'm not worried about DJ Justin Thomas to me is the intriguing one because everything about him looks good to me and it looks like he just wants it so bad that he's not able to get out of his own way right now I don't know the answer for it I'm not a psychologist but I don't believe it's because he's afraid.
0: No, no, no. I don't. I don't think that's the case yeah. at all. I yeah. is not a word I would use with Justin Thomas. Uh, no way. No way. And and Jordan Spieth are
1: first guys that needs to know how to make more pars. You know.
0: Yeah, I uh, think no that's interesting. Know yeah, when I,
1: know when to hold them, when to fold them. Play a little more mistake free game. Uh, you know, when I caddied on tour, I was there for the end of Jack's career. I started in 78. I, uh, Jay Hoss got paired with him, I want to say, 20 times. And I was taken by how rarely he knocked a shot stiff. He he was a pin-high guy, middle of green pin-high, and he would just wear you down, you know. And, uh, and I wonder, in this day and age, sometimes the value of a par could be missing. And uh, very rarely do you ruin around making pars. Yeah and maybe with with justin's
0: uh,
1: firepower he doesn't have to try to birdie every hole yeah you no know? yeah Make he's an aggressive left player mistakes. oh but you don't have to always be aggressive no mm-hmm. one's ever shot 72 under <laughs> so yeah uh, no reason to try to do it but uh you know he's got a caddy uh, for him i'm and Bones that I'm sure knows all that stuff, even though Phil probably never listened to him about the (laughs) conservative stuff. But I I would think that um, the value of a par might be something that Justin might want to look at.
0: Yeah, it's interesting right now in today's game, you've got, you know, of course, Tiger coming back, which is the the ultimate. um, But you've got like DJ and Rory, you know, they are – they're not the older players, but they're the older players. Yeah, <laughs> you <good know>? <laughs> like DJ was the fun. oldest on the Ryder Cup, and
1: where did all the time go? Yeah, right.
0: And then, and then, That'd and then a notch under that.
1: that. We were doing that show on the range. Yeah. And I know it wasn't that long ago because you still remember that harpoon I gave you there on the
0: <laughs> morning drive. Yeah, yeah. we had yeah, a way, well, funny. we had a few of those. <laughs> <laughs> But they were the young guys then. I mean, that was. Oh,
1: there's no doubt about it.
0: Seven years ago.
1: Yeah, that's correct. That's
0: correct. You know, Thomas and Spieth are now 28, 29. can'tley you know, they're not the youth. You know, now the youth is, you know, it's Burns. Uh, it's Shuffler. They're, they're coming on now yeah. in the top yeah. 10. And good stuff. Will Zalatoris is, you know. Great players. right? It's all, and they're all, it, but up. they're all playing. They're all right there. You know, I mean, gosh, you, American oh, golf is just incredible.
1: They're, they are
0: terrific, really. Yeah.
1: They show up at the big moments, you know.
0: Let me finish with this. You got uh, Jay and Bill Haas teaming up. I know a family very close to you. Uh, they're teaming up this week at the Zero Classic in New Orleans. That, that's pretty cool. Yep.
1: Well, I think it's Jay's 800th tour event. Wow. Um. I think he's, uh, you know, most people would know, but he's made more cuts than anybody in the history of professional golf. He's got the all-time cut record. Jay was uh, a very, very good player, but I think had a great career. There's such a I can make that distinction. Um, when Bill asked him, Jay didn't want to do it really because he, he knows that this is a big year for Bill. As he's working on his top 50 lifetime exemption if he doesn't become exempt, he has to get back on tour a different way. And Bill said it would be the greatest thing in my life to play in this tournament with Dad. So uh, very, very cool thing. Jay's been a very quiet mentor to Bill. He's not a helicopter parent. It's probably hurt Jay that he's been a tour player trying to mentor Bill because he understands all the emotions, you know. Mm -hmm. If he was a car mechanic, he wouldn't understand how upset you get when you make a six on a par five, you know touch guy would just think it's a bogey to a player. It's you lost at least a shot and a half and emotionally you're, you got a lot of work to do before you get to the next tee, you know? And so probably for Jay, it's been more difficult because he is a player to watch bill bill struggle. But, uh, what a neat thing, you know, to, to play with your dad in one of these tournaments and uh, Jay's 68 years old now. So
2: yeah,
1: this will never happen again. Uh, Jay's already choking. Jay is an extremely proud man. I mean, an extremely proud man, and he is not a ceremonial guy. And although this is kind of a ceremonial tournament, believe me when I tell you, he's gonna be working. He's gonna be working, and he does not, in any way, shape, or form, want to not perform at his best next week because he doesn't know the other way. And you, you know, Jay got his card in 1977 and he's still playing (laughs) so you got to have some fire in your stomach to last that i mean that's
0: that's when i was born
1: when longer longer's doing it and uh but to to want to do it you know takes a a fire in the belly that cannot be taught in fact pat perez said to him on the range last week he asked him how old he was and he said 68 pat said if i'm still playing golf at 68 i'll give you the the uh, privilege to shoot me. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the other players realize. Like Bill Haas, I remember Bill Haas about five or six years ago. Somebody asked him about his dad, and he said, "Well, let's put it this way: I got to play good for thirty more years to be like my dad." Wow, how about that? That's pretty cool. He's had a great, great career. Not the greatest of players, but if you look at the totality of what he's accomplished. On and off the course. He's been one of the game's great golf professionals.
0: Yeah, nine wins, PGA Tour 18 on the champions. Of course, Bill well, won.
1: He award, uh, Payne Stewart Award, yep. Golf Family Year Award, President's Cup Captain, uh, a lot of things that he got from just being the consummate professional. You know,
2: mm-hmm. he cares
1: a lot about being a PGA Tour player. He cares a lot about the, the etiquette, the principles of the games, and he's never veered off of it, you know. And he's been a uh, very, very quietly has been one of the game's great, great ambassadors.
0: It's a great sport. I was standing there on Tuesday on the range, and I'm looking at the range watching. And Stuart Sinks, the defending champ, Heritage, yeah. 48, warming That's up sunny. over there. Jim Ferrick standing over there on the Champions Tour. And then I look to my left, and there's Mito Pereira, young whippersnapper. Yes. And then behind yep. me walks in Jay Haas, and I'm like, what in the hell is going on we've got them covered here folks there's no uh...
1: sport really there's no sport in the world (laughs) uh like it where where this stuff that happened with jordan speak you know he's Mm -hmm. coming off a double bogey on the last hole friday by the way to miss a cut by a shot and the great ones know this and i learned this from jay even when you're missing a cut you can find something on the last three or four holes that might work the next week i remember one year at disney world he was missing a cut and he hit a pitching wedge on the 17th hole and he said that's it so what's it so that's the feel i'm looking for right there and he had two good shots in the 18th hole and he won the next week yeah and it, and it was a pitching wedge by the way that wasn't stiff it was about 12 feet
0: mm-hmm.
1: but the light went off in his his body that complex feel system so uh we could do ten of these on what's great about golf, to be honest with
0: you. <laughs> yeah, that's true.
1: But you yeah. saw it on the page But I'll give you credit to be aware of enough to realize what that is. Yeah. When Bob Golby's uh, died, I went to his celebration of his life, uh, in St. Louis, and I was go- going up to speak, and I saw his three boys. They'd already spoken beautifully, and it hit me. My dad died in 1989. He was former Masters champion. And every year that I went back to Augusta, there was one guy that brought me up to the champion's locker room for a breakfast or a lunch so I could see my dad's locker. And that guy was Bob Goldie. Mm-hmm. And it dawned on me that these three boys will probably never, ever be invited back up to that locker room during the Masters to see their dad's locker because there's really no Bob Goldie's in that locker room left that would care enough mm. to realize what that means. So the fact that you knew what that meant on the range last week is a cool thing. I'm totally aware of what the game has done for me. Totally. Yeah. Luckiest people in the world were the four Harmon brothers. So we, we owe everything that we have in our lives to the game of golf. So it's an unbelievable sport.
0: It really is. And uh, it's, it's, that's beautifully said. And it's cool to see the sport in such a great spot right now, growing. It is. And, uh, you know, you know, golf courses are making money. Um, you know, so it's, it's, it's in a good spot. And, you know, like you said, we could do 10 shows on the game of golf itself, but I'll tell you what, I'll, you know, this was great. And I've missed this. We'll, um, we'll have you back again here this year. Well, one, do it.
1: one butcher, Claude, or my brother Craig can't do it. You know, <laughs> you know how to bring out of the bullpen.
0: <laughs> Billy Harmon. Thank you. Thank you. You're the best. I appreciate it.